Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's newest weekly podcast called C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller. That's me. I'm your host each week. You may recognize my very ingratiating voice from being the host of Franklin Covey's other weekly podcast called On Leadership with Scott Miller, now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. And one of the things we learned from four years and 220 episodes from that podcast is it wasn't always the biggest name or the biggest celebrity that received the most downloads. It was often the person like you and me that had a relatable path. Perhaps they did something extraordinary in an otherwise relatable career or life journey that became the most listened to episode. So from that, we spun off this new podcast called C-Suite Conversations, where each week we had the enormous honor and privilege of interviewing different people from different paths and walks of life that all have one thing in common, and that is they are in the C-Suite in their organization. Today, we're interviewing the Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resource Officer, CHRO of 3M. Her name is Zoe Dixon. She's joining us from Minnesota today. Zoe, welcome to C-Suite Conversations. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Hey, delighted to have learned how many things we have in common off air. My family is from Minnesota, where, of course, you now live and work with your family with 3M. I lived in the UK, of course. You can tell from your previous accent that you may be perhaps by birth. You are a Brit and now American by choice. Uh, welcome to what we know as a small world personally and professionally. Zoe, we always like to start these podcasts with the guest taking some time to reorient our listeners and our viewers to their own professional journey. It's always fascinating, I find, to understand what are the decisions, perhaps deliberately or sometimes even uh, serendipitously, that uh, have led in the amazing career choices people make, perhaps the opportunities they were given. Would you take a few minutes and revisit your career journey that has led you to become the CHRO of one of the most iconic brands in the world, 3M. Yeah, ha happy to do so. You know, honestly, it's it's funny when you get asked a question like this because my journey didn't start out anywhere near where I actually have sort of landed. I, I started out on a completely different path um, in engineering. I, I liked math, I liked science, art, design, I, I liked cars. Um, and I figured a path into engineering was going to be really a great place to start. Um, I went to college and I worked for Ford Motor Company. And in the UK, I was able to do a, a rotational intern type role where I was doing six months at college, six months working every year. And, you know, it was a fantastic experience, but it was pretty clear to me, probably a year or two into it, that it wasn't going to be the, the long-term career that I was expecting, maybe as an, as an engineer. Um, but as I reflected on it, I think I realized that I was enjoying that rotation, going through different experiences, solving problems. Um, and so as I, as I left university and left Ford, um, I headed into management consulting just to get to know some different organizations, how to build you know, a career in a different, different businesses and, and, and different parts of the, of, of the world. And um, started off in a broader management consulting space of getting to know things like project management, venture capital, and all sorts of things like that. And then I sort of gravitated towards these sort of people consulting type of activities, and then eventually moved into a role um, in a different organization focusing on compensation and benefits. And again, great experience. I loved working in the consulting business, but every time you did something, you kind of walked away from it and didn't really know whether it truly had an impact. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to take a couple of years in-house <laughs> um, and went to 3M and was excited to, to join the company. And a couple of years turned into uh, 24. <laughs> um, and I've been in HR ever since at 3M, growing in a variety of different HR roles across three continents, 
multiple businesses, different specialisms, and really had a chance to create all these different building blocks that eventually led me to here today. Zoe, it's actually, it's a remarkable story because you made a big pivot. I mean, as, mm -hmm. I, as I recognize it, you were educated and trained as an engineer. You worked with the Ford Motor Company, Arthur Anderson from some time, and then a multi-decade career now at 3M. You pivoted from what many people might think of as a left-brain, linear, process-oriented career as an engineer. And at least at this point in your career, you've culminated as the chief human resource officer of one of the most iconic brands in the world, what some might call as more of a right-brained, or at least the mm -hmm. people side of the business. What would you say to people who are listening and watching us today that are struggling with perhaps they think they're a specialist, they become a generalist, or they think maybe they have an engineering brain, but they're scared or they're, they're tempted but worried about expanding that to the creative side of business. What have you learned from what is really a remarkable pivot from you know, engineering to culture, to people? What have you learned about yourself along that journey? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting question because I, I don't think, my, my belief anyway, I don't think we are left or right brains. I, I don't think it's, these are different pieces to us. I think they, they all exist in all of us. And so figuring out which ones, which pieces you want to bring together to create a whole is, is kind of what our journeys become. You know, if I think about um, starting off in engineering, um, you know, problem solving, working with people, trying to listen, understand how to fix something or how to develop something. Moving into HR, we're doing the same thing. We're just using different practices. I, you know, I don't need thermodynamics every day, um, but I, I do you know, get to use that same sort of problem solving, process orientation, working with people, listening, trying to sort of get to the root cause. Um, so I think there's a lot of, of similarities. And you know, when I think about that transition and, and the transition to leadership as well, it's very much around leveraging all of those pieces. Now, we, I work in a company full of engineers and scientists and these incredible brains bringing you know, wonderful technology and products to life. And so I get to see and, and be part of that experience all the time and making sure that we've got people that can do that work and can, can bring that to life and, and have leaders that can make the most of, of people that, that's their passion, that's their, their purpose, I think is, is really what, you know, what excites me about sort of make, having made that pivot. And I think it's something that each one of us can figure out where, where can I sort of leverage those pieces of me as I continue to sort of advance and, and develop in, our, in my career. Yeah, it's a great insight, right? It's not to think of ourselves as either being left-brained or right-brained or either being flexible or inflexible. Your point there is that we have all of those within us, perhaps some, perhaps more surfaceable or more interested in kind of being released. It's a, it's a great reminder. Hey, for those who uh, know the name 3M, but perhaps haven't followed the journey as you have, been in the firm for nearly 25 years, remind our listeners and viewers what business 3M is really in. <laughs> It's, it's more which businesses are we not in, actually, is the question. So we have around 90,000 people um, spread across the globe. And I think the, the statistic is that you're never more than three feet away from a 3M product. So we're in a ton of different things from um, our healthcare business, where we're focused on healthcare IT. We'll have um, wound and infection prevention. We have 
oral care. We have a, a bunch of different products in, in that space. We have a consumer business um, and we, we focus on things like post-its. I think many people would recognize that particular brand, but you know, Scotch blue tape, some of those things that you, you know, familiar brands, familiar household brands. Um, we have our traffic, uh, our transportation and electronics business, which does a lot of work in auto electrification, in data centers, um, as well as things like um, films that make your um, your battery life better in your electronics um, through to our safety and industrial business group. And you, again, you might have heard a lot about things like our respirator business there, which um, was something that was was really important to the globe during um, the, the pandemic because it's helped keep people safe as we made over three billion respirators. So a really diverse business, a, a sort of candy store, I think of it in terms of careers and opportunities. Zoe. When you research 3M and you research you on the internet, one word keeps popping up, and that is the word flexibility. Flexibility <laughs> to describe the, the culture, the state, the opportunity career-wise. Talk about and expand on the word flexibility, perhaps even more so now, you know, kind of, I, I, I'm hesitant to use the word post-pandemic. I had COVID recently myself after two and a half years and countless vaccinations, it seems like. But in this kind of new, maybe, maybe, um, post-COVID emergent world, how does the role, what does the role that flexibility plays when it comes to the culture and careers at 3M? Yeah, maybe I can just take a little step back and you know, just, just talk a bit about what has kind of been something that I think we've all faced in the last couple of years. And I, I think looking at the pandemic and the social justice challenges, the you know, incredibly challenging economy, a war. I mean, there's so many things that are going on and it's causing people to reflect, you know, what they do and how they do it. And so, you know, as, as 3M, we, we've actually been a company that has had level of flexibility, but we have still been a mainly kind of in-person type of culture. And as we came through the pandemic, maybe we're not out of it, but as, as we came through, we, we realized our people were doing incredible work no matter where they were located, they weren't in our offices typically anymore, though obviously we have people in our labs and manufacturing still in person. But, you know, we were recognizing there was this opportunity to think differently. And so we, um, we introduced something called Work Your Way. Um, and it's really about helping our people to just work how, how best, it, you know, how best they can work based on the trust that we have in them, the type of work they're doing, the teams that they're in. Um, and, and, you know, it really opens up the opportunity for um, people to to be creative, to to think differently about work and home and how things all kind of blend together and what makes sense for them. And it's, you know, as I think about that as, as part of our culture, part of our DNA, I mean, it's, it's then you come together for the things that really make a difference. You can do things, you know, remotely um, to get through the kind of some of the stuff that you have to sort of work through, and, you know, separately and work asynchronously as well. And it's, we've been trying to find that best blend of, um, recognizing the individuals, kind of meeting them where they're at um, and their needs and what's happened in, in, in this environment and, and being able to, you know, open access to talent that we've never been able to, to consider before. So we can really, you know, create that, that environment of, of, you know, flexible population of, of people that can bring new ideas and creativity together and, and help us grow. So that, that's sort of, I guess in a nutshell, but feel free to kind of type in if any of that was particularly well, of, of interest or confusing. <laughs> I, I will. You named it the Work Your Way. It's, a, it's an initiative mm -hmm. inside GM that really is a trust-based initiative. This requires 
trust both ways. It requires people not, not to take advantage of the trust, to extend, I'm guessing, smart trust, as Stephen M. R. Covey would say. I'm guessing there, it's a very, fairly progressive policy, right? It's basically to create a schedule that works for you and works for, I'm guessing, your, your team, that allows you to bring your best genius to the 3M culture. And I'm guessing there are some downsides with the work your way initiative. I'm guessing some people probably abuse it. I'm sure there's some leaders that were perhaps apprehensive around how far are we going to take it and will we have to roll it back. Talk to us about the kinds of trust, the nature of trust that needed to be in place or fixed or built or strengthened in order for an initiative like Work Your Way to, um, to work. Yeah. You know, one of the things I would say is that we, um, through the pandemic, we, we probably spent a good year, year and a half really not working in person. And so we actually had to rely on that trust in a different way. And, and you know, I think one of the things I would say is our people were able to demonstrate how effective they could be. And so we didn't want to go backwards on the trust, actually. We wanted to continue to, to build on that. We, you know, pre-pandemic, we, as I said, we, before we had some flexibility, but I would say our, our leaders weren't all consistent with that, um, that that could work. And sort of as we've come out the other side of pandemic, we've actually seen a real shift in, in leadership um, mindset around that. One of the things we've been assessing is we've been capturing, you know, what people are working on in terms of their arrangements for tax reasons and others um, is we've been asking people, you know, how, how is your leader supporting you? And what we found was over 90% of our employees said, oh, my leader, I think it's 98%, oh, my leader supported me in my decisions here. So, so I think that that immediate sense of um, uh, building culture together with your leader, sort of working together on this to, to make something that is going to really be effective was, was um, we had that sort of built in the foundation of it. I think what comes next is, yes, there will inevitably be people that will will maybe take some advantage, but I think it's a small, small number. And I don't think it's any different to who would be sitting in the office. Um, so it really isn't about that. It's much more about how do we really take advantage of this for growth, for access to talent, for innovation? How do you, how do you really maximize it that way? And I think that's where people get excited. That's where we can bring together sort of different people that, we, again, we've not been able to, to sort of um, identify before and bring in, you know, because they weren't living within driving distance or, you know, um, public transport distance of one of our offices. So we've been able to create this different different environment. And I think that really, um, that excites people. And I think that prevents some of the concerns and just really helps to build out the trust. And ultimately, it's about results. And we have to make sure that we continue to provide those those outcomes, and that's that's really the, the you know the the end of the day where it where it comes down to. Uh, let's talk about the future of work. I'm going to ask you to play Nostradamus for a few moments. As the CHRO of a multinational global company, ninety plus thousand people working there, I'm sure you're spending a lot of time thinking about what the future looks like. How much of the way of work will stay? How much of it will change? Will we ever go back to the way it was? What will that look like in the future? We've just come off of what's been known now as the Great Resignation. Some have recalled it the Great Reevaluation. Some are calling it the Great, you know, Return. As people come back to companies that perhaps they left prematurely, wasn't as great as they thought it was somewhere else. Their leader wasn't that bad, you know. Uh, the leader, the the enemy you know is better than the enemy you don't know. Whatever you want to call it, 
what do you think? What do you think 2023 looks like? You know, in many cases, the world, as you mentioned, because of the pandemic, is still here, and the war in in Ukraine, the you know the food shortage going on, the economic issues we're facing. Are, are you starting to see people? Uh, becoming a little more uh, tentative and they want to stay because it's uncertain? Are people kind of swinging back? Take it wherever you'd like to go. What do you see generally as the future of work looking like maybe in the next 18 to 36 months? What should people leaders know from what your prognostication looks like? Oh, that's a that's a big question. It's all on you, Zoe. The whole that. the whole plan's on you. <laughs> <laughs> I will do my best. So you know, one of the things I think people have talked about is this whole like new normal, and I, I heard somebody the other day describe it as never normal, and I do think there's something in that, like this sense of some some sense of stability that we're going to return to, like as leaders, as 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 employees, like something is going to suddenly click back into place. And I don't think that's going to happen in this period of time. I think we're continuing to see that evolution. And so, you know, finding finding the, the, the way that works for us, the, for, for us, it's been much more around sort of how do you make sure you're aligning to like purpose and thinking about that for the future. Like, how does this fit? You know, I can see the path. I can see where this organization is going. I can see what I want to be doing. And, I, you know, we can get those pieces lined up. I think that's something that there is some sort of surety in, if I can put it that way. So that that's one of the things I think will just be something that continues to be a, a focus point for, for leaders and, and, and people in organizations um, to, to bring that to, to the heart. Um, I think it's going to be a bumpy ride. We, we're seeing inflation continuing, as you said, you know, the supply chain challenges and so on continuing. And so having a focus on well-being, regardless of who you are in the organization, I mean, that's maybe a place that naturally sits in, in HR, but I think it's with all of us. And that a sense of, you know, really thinking about authentic leadership, thinking about, you know, how, we, how are my people, you know, individually doing on each of these days? I think it, it's going to be something that's, going to be an incredibly important part of how we work together in, in, in the coming you know, couple of years. Um, I, I think there's something in connectedness and belonging. Um, you know, that's whatever, however organizations change, organizations like ours that are adopting more flexibility, organizations that are choosing not to and, and are seeing perhaps a different um, set of employees that are, are happy to work in that way. Like, how do you just continue to create connections and and create that sort of, uh, that, as I said, that sense of belonging? And then I think growth just looks different. Um, if I think about um, the type of skills that we've all got to grow, the the environment, like the, some of the leadership qualities, some of the softer skills, those, as we continue to be in this sort of, as I said, never normal environment, I think are, are things that we have to really um find ways of, of providing kind of growth opportunities that, that skills skill building so that no matter what comes our way we might not have the playbook for it but we've got some you know tools that we can come back to that's my engineering coming back in coming back out of me <laughs> let's build on that let's talk to all the parents listening and watching let's use me as an example my wife stephanie and i have three sons they're 8 10 and 12 years old pray for me and all of them will be in the workforce, you know, 10 years from now, right? What are the skills that you think these boys need to have 
to land a great career. Whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they go to not-for-profit, whether they go to 3M, or what, regardless, what are some of the general skills? If you had to fast forward at 3M, for example, or Ford, or Anderson, now Accenture, where you were, what do you think my three sons need to exhibit a decade from now to, have, to, to be a competitive commodity, if you will, in a global workforce? Give me four or five skills Regardless of their, you know, maybe their education, what do they, what do they go to a trade school or they get an MBA from MIT? What are the types of skills you think are going to be the most valuable 10 years from now? Well, you might laugh at my first one because I'm thinking about eight, 10 and 12 year old boys. But I, I think one of the first things I would say is listening, listening to learn as a skill, um, because no matter what happens, it's amazing how many people know how to solve problems, um, but they actually tr tr truly listening to what those challenges are um, and getting to the root cause and, and actually waiting for somebody's kind of helping sort of draw out those ideas can be something that is incredibly powerful. So I, I do think there's something in listening as a skill that we've lost a bit in society and that we, we have an opportunity to build back. Um, there's a growth mindset, I would add as another, again, skill capability. Um, I do think that's an important one for us. Um, as we think about the, again, the changes, the evolutions, like how do we get our next generation of, of people coming into the workforce to say, you know, I don't know how to do this yet. I'm going to learn how to do that. Like that sense of that, that shift in mindset from, you know, I have to do everything perfectly and I have to get the test scores and so on to, to truly, like, I'm in this continuous learning mode. Um, the creative thinking, creative problem solving, um, just bringing that sense of curiosity, that's a real skill that um, can be applicable in all sorts of different places and it can show up in a global environment it can show up in a digital environment and i think those are, are things that we'd, we'd want to think through and and i and i bring up global and digital because i i do believe even though there's a, a lot of kind of localization happening and we're seeing some of those trends as a result of the the pandemic um understanding how how local fits into global and that that sort of learning about sort of global global um, uh, cultures, global um, kind of how things work globally becomes a, a really sort of key skill as we think about our place in the world and, and, and where we can go. And so, and, and, and as I said, sort of digital kind of underpinning all of that, but that almost doesn't need to be said with the eight, 10 and 12 year old, which is why, you know, as they sort of bring that one on last. But I think those are some of the areas that I, Again, regardless of what area of work you go into, under, just taking some of those, I think, can allow you to be a more resilient person um, and can, can help you sort of adapt with different people that you might be coming across in, in different different walks of life. So I don't know if that kind of got to, to perhaps the right, the right skills we'll see, <laughs> um, but perhaps uh, it's a starting point for people to think about. Uh, beautifully said. The irony is not lost on me. Uh, Dr. Stephen R. Covey, of course, our founder, wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This book has sold 50 million copies, and it's the reason why it continues to be one of the most pervasively adopted personal development programs and companies is because you basically described most of the seven habits, right? Habit five is around empathic listening. Dr. Covey, one of his biggest legacies to me personally in the company was this idea of understanding how to use your creativity. He called it using your R and your I, your resourcefulness 
and your initiative. And I think it's one of the biggest gifts that Dr. Covey gave me in my, in my career. I struggle with listening. Most of us do. Most of us aren't as adept at listening as we think we are. But to your point, being able to problem solve and to, and to create and to innovate and to think about new solutions, beautifully said. I, I want to ask you a couple of final questions. I'll let you go. I want you to think about your own career. 35, 30-year 30 career, similar to mine. What was the biggest moment of truth you've ever had in your career? Perhaps it was a great leader that mentored you. Perhaps it was a really poor leader, not because they were a bad person, but perhaps they were a bad leader, and you learned, okay, I never want to do that to my people. Maybe it was something in the... Is there a moment that stands out in your career as a pivotal moment that a story about or you, you telling it to us might inspire us on what to do or what to not do as leaders, as parents, as friends, as humans in this you know, sort of ever-changing world we're in now? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you think about those pivotal moments and I, you know, I often think there are so many, there are so many things, like all of those interactions that come along the way, but there have definitely been those moments where I've had leaders who have stopped me in my tracks and made me think that I definitely don't want to be like that anymore. But I would say the moments that have, have been most compelling have been when somebody has challenged an assumption that I'm carrying. Um, you know, and you don't when you don't realize it's an assumption. So just asking, asking a couple of questions in a meeting, I'm trying to think of a good example, but, you know, making an assumption that other people feel the same way I do about kind of having, having their family members and those kind of things, or other people thinking the same way that I do in terms of if I if I can manage this process this way, then everyone will be happy with it or whatever. And you know, just having people just challenge that and say, have you thought about people that come from this type of experience? Or have you considered me in that um, that equation? You know, my circumstances, I would have done that. I don't know why you say that I wouldn't. And just those are the type of moments where it comes back to that sort of that listening, but also that realizing we have those biases. And I think that again i can think of several sort of moments maybe not like huge impactful ones but ones that just caused me to stop in my tracks because i believed something and it wasn't true it wasn't like a collective belief and you kind of open up your eyes to that broader um a broader perspective i don't i don't know if that yeah so so we build on that um, i want you to think about the competencies of a people leader whether you're a frontline leader or you're in the C-suite or you're in you know, upper to senior management, I want you to think about the competencies of great leaders. I'd like you to share what you think is the most valuable competency to learn or develop, different from the things that you've shared around empathy, perspective, listening, curiosity. Would you think for a moment, if you had to share with all of the people listening and watching to this podcast, the most impactful trait that you look for in a leader of people, something different from what you've said, that can be learned, that can be developed. What is that? Another big question. <laughs> um, you know, I would say it's a, modeling the culture that you want to create. Mm, well said. Um, and it's, it's a, it, it maybe sounds simple, but I think we forget that. It's like if you want to create a culture where people are listened to, where they're empowered, where they're excited to come to work. Well, 
you kind of have to create that. You can't do that by coming in and saying, gosh, it's a really tough day today. Um, you know, just truly modeling the culture that you want to, to create and, and then reinforcing that through, you know, actions through recognition and so on. It's a great reminder. It's why not everyone should be a leader of people because not everybody has that stamina, the desire, the focus, the understanding that you have to model the culture you want to see. If you want patience, you have to model patience. If you want punctuality, you have to model punctuality. If you want people not to gossip, then you can never gossip, right? Dr. Covey called it, be a light, not a judge, be a model, not a critic. Zoe, thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate you joining us from 3M. Tell us, uh, what does the future look like at 3M? Where should our listeners and viewers expect for you all to be a dominant player in our lives? Anything exciting that you can share with us that's perhaps not proprietary or material information? I don't know about not proprietary. That's where it starts getting challenging. But, you know, we're, we're in everything. And so we, we are in so many different places that are growing. They're exciting. Like I said, auto electrification and, you know, keeping our houses and homes secure and, and, and safe, keeping our hospitals and our clinics safe. I mean, just there's so many places that we're in. And so I think that's a, an exciting part of, of our journey together as, at 3M. And it's, it's doing that in a way that's increasingly more sustainable. And, and if, I, if I bring one little product to life, if I can just for one second, I was excited to open a parcel from Targets uh, just this week that opened it up and inside was our cushion lock, which is just a, a wonderful paper-based um, product. Really, really ingenious and clever and simply keeps things um, safe inside a box made of paper. And it, just those little things that can, can make a real difference, I think, for the, for the world, for the future. So just a little example from 3M. I'll have to look for that at Target. Zoe Dixon, Executive Vice President and Chief, Chief Human Resource Officer at 3M, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation from the C-Suite.